and welcome to the F1 Show. What what is this? No, well, see, okay, it's the start of the new season. I just kind of want to jazz it up a little with it. Yeah, that's not our thing. But it's... Robin, stop the music. Fine. Play the theme. Jim, I was just trying to... Play the theme. Damn it. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the F1 show for the season opener, the 2008 Australian Grand Prix. It is great to be back to racing and I cannot wait to have a cracking good time. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau and we did have a cracking good time in Melbourne today. It was a heck of a race and we've got plenty to talk about. I see London, I see France, I see Hamilton sing and dance after winning the Australian Grand Prix in dominant fashion. That's right, Lewis Hamilton starts his sophomore season in F1, collecting 10 valuable points towards this year's Drivers' Championship. Coming in second was the bearded German of Nick Heidfeld, showing that BMW Sauber's heavily winged car is a contender in 2008. Nico Rosberg followed behind in third, his first podium in Formula One, and a great start for Williams Toyota, a team that has showed great progress last year and continued to do so over the winter. Shockingly, a fourth different constructor occupied the fourth spot. The Renault piloted by Fernando Alonso, collecting five points, and he proved that his car is wide, if not fast. Fifth place was Heike Kovalainen in the second McLaren. Sixth place, Kaz Nakajima in the second Williams. Seventh place, that was Sebastian Bourdais with the STR. So what about Ferrari? Hemi Raikkonen finished eighth and only earned one point which is the best the Italian powerhouse could do. But in truth, he got lucky. Felipe Massa didn't even finish. He was one of the 14 cars out of this truly exciting and bizarre race. How bizarre? Robert Kubica ran as high as second until Kaz Nakajima hit him during a safety car period. Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Bourdais both had engine failures and still collected points. Rubens Barrichello was fighting for a podium in a Honda until he managed to run over one of his pit crew and then while exiting the pits illegally got disqualified. That bizarre. And we even haven't even talked about lap one, Jim. So what happened? Oh boy, what didn't happen in turn one, lap one? Um, there were actually two crashes right in turn one that were separate. Um, Massa spun off uh, in, in his Ferrari, spun off into a wall and just uh, tapped the wall enough to it broke the nose on his car and uh, he had to, I guess he had to retire from there. Yep, there, there's no traction control. Right there, lap one, turn one, already showing its effects. He spun his own and no, hit he, the wall. He actually worked his way up. He was there for about the half of the race. He worked his way back up to um, like seventh or eighth, but uh, then just later had to retire. Um, right. Oh, no, the, the hitting the wall didn't knock him yeah, out of the but race, it, but, but he, it damaged yeah, his nose. Right. And he had to beginning. go back and pit and uh, send him back. Fisichella was knocked off the race, and uh, that actually ended his day, uh, knocked off the track there. Um, Weber was also knocked out, and this this was a heartbreak because uh, Weber was actually running first in Friday practice for almost the whole session until Lewis Hamilton set in a proper lap at the end and and knocked him off there. Um, but then he's uh, Mark Weber's out in qualifying um, in, uh, in in the end of what Q two first place of the first lap of the race he's knocked out. I mean in front of all of his countrymen, all of his home fans, and his home race he just has terrible luck, and uh, that's really continued this year. Um, but on the bright note, uh, Kimi. 
just had a brilliant start. And I should say that uh, there weren't really any any problems on the actual start of the race. The you know getting up to speed, no one stalled, no one had any yeah, dramatic burnouts. We were surprised to see everyone got away cleanly until turn one. That was a big question mark because this was the first year without any kind of launch control, and so we were curious to see. You know what that would entail? Would someone stall? Would yeah. someone have a nasty launch? Whatever. And uh, but Kimi just got the best launch of all and worked his way up um, up to eighth spot after after starting. Where do you start? Fifteenth. Fifteenth. There you go. Um, so he worked his way up all the way up to eighth spot in one lap. I mean, it was amazing. So that's that's interesting. So that that's the first lap of the race. But you know now we're starting to get into some interesting things that happened just in qualifying. Uh, Kimi started fifteenth. Uh, originally started 16th until Timo Glock had a uh, gearbox replacement and all these other things. So, uh, first of all, there was a there's a new qualifying procedure now. There's new rules. Yes. And Jim, you want to go through that for people real quick? Sure. The uh, they the the thing that I think we agree with the most and that we're most excited about um, the the final qualifying uh, period has been shortened. It used to be t- 15 or 20 minutes. 15. 15 minutes has been shortened to 10 minutes and. Uh, they used to have a, ser- a period where they would just burn off um, as much fuel as they possibly could, uh, you know, just literally going around the track, running rich, just burning fuel um, and for the first, you know, all, all but the last three minutes of the whole session. And especially in this day and age of fuel economy standards and environmental friendliness and everything, that really just doesn't make any sense. So they've done away with that. Um, and also it was, it was boring. I mean, that's the key. I think. Yeah, I mean, the cars were on the track, and the whole point was to get the cars on the track in front of fans, and they were on the track, but... It was parade. Why? It was a yeah. mass parade, but it was a parade. And so, so now, so now that they, now what they've done is they said, the fuel that you start with in the third qualifying session is going to be the the fuel you're setting for the qualifying session and for the beginning of the race. You yeah. cannot refuel. So the first, uh, the first two sections work basically the same way. The bottom six cars are knocked out in the first qualifying session. Then the, the remaining cars go, and then they set their times. The bottom six cars are knocked out again. Um, the second session is, uh, is, is 15 minutes, so it's 20 minutes, 15 minutes, then 10 minutes um, are the three qualifying sessions. But what actually sets the grid for the top 10 spots is the Q3 session, and that's only 10 minutes. And now as soon as those cars get off the, off the track, they're put in park for May. They are not touched. They're not refueled until the next day, so, uh, until, the, until the race. So um, there, there are a couple of interesting strategic points there. Um, and, and whether it was a strategic point or not, we're not entirely sure. But Sebastian Vettel made it to Q3, but did not even set a lap on track. Um, he, and whether they were sort of banking on the fact that he would spend a lot of fuel by going around on the track and probably not make up that many positions, because, I mean, he's up against the, you know, the top nine drivers um, you know, setting time. So. Yeah, this is the Toro Rosso car we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, so to get in 10th spot and have a full tank of fuel and, and be able to you know, pass a couple of these guys, be able to stay out several more laps past uh, when all your competitors are, that's a pretty good strategic advantage where he's probably not going to be able to make up those positions on track by passing people. Um, it didn't work out that well for him um, because of all the, all the pass, you know, he was passed pretty heavily early on. But, uh, you know, that's, it, was, it was interesting to sort of see how they were going to, you know, how the teams were going to work these rules and so on. Yeah, the um, idea being we're not going to get much better than 10th anyway, so why waste the fuel attempting to do so? Exactly. And uh, what, what we saw, a couple really interesting things come out of uh, qualifying. And to me, the most interesting thing, Interesting things both happen in Q2. Uh, you know, at the end of Q1, Kimi Raikkonen was fifth, but his uh, car came to a crawl. And yeah, they had a fuel pressure problem on, on the <clears throat> on the Ferrari, 
Uh, it's too late in the game. I mean, once you're in qualifying, once it's on Saturday, uh, you can't change that engine without incurring a grid spot penalty. So he was basically said, okay, well, you know, we're going to do the best we can. But um, once they, once the uh, mechanics mechanics touch the car and and you know wheeled it back in, um, he could no longer participate in qualifying. So he was out. And he was just shuffled to the back of the Q2, which would be 16th spot. 16th spot. And then at the beginning of Q2, Mark Webber had a really awful-looking brake failure. Yeah, he was just coming down uh, one of the back straights, and we saw out of his right rear tire just a plume of black smoke just came out instantaneously, and the car just rotated extremely quickly. Uh, Mark was just along for the ride. He made it through the two gravel traps, so he wasn't hurt, and the car wasn't... Uh, wasn't piled into the wall or anything too hard, but it was enough that he couldn't keep running in the qualifying session. So he was second to last. And he was 15th. Uh, in the 15th spot, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Timo Glock for, uh, had, was given a blocking penalty and had to replace his transmission. Yeah, so well, that, that cost him 10 spots. Yeah, and I want to mention one thing about, about Vettel. Uh, he was actually out in the first lap as well. I was just uh, looking at the chart, and he was passed heavily because he was uh, involved in one of those crashes and actually had to retire, uh, which is really too bad because... Um, you know, Sebastian Bourdais did really well in the STR, and we wanted to see how Vettel and uh, and Bourdais would stack up, and uh, we didn't get to see that today. So we're gonna have to see how that yeah. progresses. Seventeen more races to to see that, though. Fortunately, so yeah. So yeah, what what ended up happening is uh, you know three unfortunate, three un you know usually unlikely events happened in qualifying, which which mixed up the grid already. And then we had a yeah. I mean, just to to recap, that means one Ferrari in the top ten, Felipe Massa in fourth spot. You know, Raikkonen way out of there. Um, both uh, both the McLarens doing fine, but Robert Kubica splitting the pair in second spot. And and if he had actually pretty big off on his fast lap, if he hadn't uh, run a little bit wide in one of the corners and actually gotten well off track, um, he really looked like he could have had the pole. So Absolutely. BMW is looking very strong, and we're gonna have to see if they can maintain that and, and you know continue that through the season. But uh, they're definitely a, a starting out very strong and certainly a contender. So thumbs up on that new qualifying. Uh, format. I think that's really, you know, last year when they introduced this new three three set qualifying with the knockout qualifying, I, I think it was generally applauded. But this this really just puts the icing on the cake, in my opinion. I, it just, you know, makes just about everything pretty exciting. Yeah, we always fast forwarded to the fuel burn period anyway, um, because there were lap times being set, but they didn't matter because it wouldn't Completely it wouldn't pointless. be until all the cars went in to get fresh rubber and uh, you know and it were as light as possible on fuel until they actually set their laps. So. And I don't think it makes that much of a difference to the fans in the stands. I mean, they want to see the cars going out 10 tenths, 11 tenths, you know, ma- you know, making these mistakes, sliding around and, and pushing the cars. And they get to see that when the, when the guys are, are qualifying at full speed and not on the fuel burn laps. And now that we don't have engine brake and traction control, we can see 11 tenths, which is even more exciting. Cars sliding, going wide, yeah, that is the, missing their braking points. It's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, the other big story of this race, obviously, is is the implementation of the rule changes we and everyone else has been talking about in the offseason. And... In my mind, the loss of uh, engine braking assistance under braking, and, and what that is is uh, to stop the rear brakes from locking up, um, the, the sophisticated computer control in the F1 cars, this was available last year, would actually send engine power to the rear wheels to keep them from locking up. So uh, even though it was under braking, it would just be able to modulate the rear brakes, and uh, it wouldn't be all up to the driver's foot. And uh, now as part of the spec ECU, uh, we all know they lost traction control, so they can't just stand on the gas and let the engine computer sort it out. Um, same thing with the brakes. A lot of guys in practice and qualifying were dealing with rear brake issues. They had to sort of rebalance their brake system um, because it was so it was easier to lock up the rear brakes. And I think that may have actually made a bigger Im- impact, um, or at least I think comparable impact, to the loss of traction control because it's so it's so easy when you're going into a corner 
to you're really pushing hard. If you lock up under braking, that's going to affect your line. If you wash out, then you're going to want to push harder on the way out. And especially with the, I think the, the lack of traction control kind of compounds that because you've, you've, you've messed up the entry to the corner and you want to try your hardest to get out of it. You push a little bit harder. You may run a bit wide or something like that. But the, the loss of engine braking made a, a bigger deal than I certainly realized it would have. Well, what, what was really cool to see was, uh, you know, all these drivers over winter testing were saying, oh, it's no big deal. I'm already used to the traction control. Oh, no, the engine braking, that's no big deal. It's not going to make any difference kind of thing. Uh, first race is over, and I think just about everyone's been proving very, very wrong. I mean, not all of the 14 cars that were out uh, were because of the traction control and the engine braking, but a good hunk of them were. And what's interesting is... Yeah, nine of them officially were due to accident or accident damage for and, Formula One. And technically, there are actually 15 cars out... Uh, just that two of them were so towards the end that we didn't know. Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Bourdais both had blown engines. They didn't make it to the end of the race. It's just that it happened so late in the race, they were still counted as just being a few laps down. So that's 15 cars out, and then it would be 16, but uh, Rubens Barrichello was actually just disqualification. His car was running at the end. Yes, and which brings up an interesting point on the Ferraris. Um, basically, by the end of the race, out of six Ferrari-powered vehicles that started, between the Force Indias were powered by Ferrari, the Ferraris, obviously, and then the uh, Security Toro Rosso cars, um, none were running at the end. I mean, Sebastian Bourdais lasted the longest, and he's qualified as seventh, as seventh place. Um, but even that gave up gave up the ghost in, in classic Kablamo style. Um, just the left bank of cylinders just, you know, yeah, just was smoke pours out. Which makes us wonder, because these are the same engines, the same Ferrari engines they used last year. They're still rev-limited to 19,000 RPM. Uh, so the first thing to ask, ask is what changed? Well, that ECU can, can, you know, has changed, and some of the aerodynamic packaging also around the, the radiators and the cooling ducts and so on has changed. But to see all the Ferrari cars um, out in one way or another, I mean, not all were engine failure, but, uh, you know, it's it's A couple tr- troubling, of these were. Troubling and, for Ferrari. Well, yeah. you know, the, what, what catches my eye, two things. First of all, this was the hottest Australian race on record. Yeah. Uh, it was 99 degrees air temperature, 124 degrees track temp. Very hot race. Second, this is also the first time without traction control um, and some less. I don't know how much more revs the car sees, you know, as it's coming out of a corner and that type of thing. I don't know if that would be really hard on the engine or not, but that is a difference because the traction control did keep the revs at a more uh, a level spot and they didn't wasn't surging as much. So, and you know, lots of drivers have said how surprised they were at how nonlinear the torque curve was and how how they had so much torque at once, and it was hard to modulate. So there was probably a lot of over-revving back and forth, and I don't know, maybe Ferrari's engines aren't as robust to that. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely got some work to do, and they've only have a week to do it because the Malaysian race is six days away. Yeah, they actually have four days to do it before they start practicing. Yeah, really. So uh, they, you know, the Ferrari engine squad really has to get their, get their deal together, and whether it's development with the ECU and just allowing their engine electronics to adapt better to the, uh, to the standard control unit, um, or if, whether it's a cooling issue and they need to rework the way some of these ducts are going. Um, I mean, they've, they've been testing these cars, but they, they haven't done any hot testing. Although Ferrari did test in Bahrain, so it yeah. seems like they should have sorted this out, but who knows? Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. That's 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 the end of it. So, okay, to the winner. The winner goes to spoils, your boy Hamilton. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot to say. I mean, he qualified on the pole. Uh, he put in a, a quite a good lap. Um, the only the only ever time um, he wasn't in the lead was when he pitted and... and uh, Hickey Kovalainen was in the lead for a little while until until Hickey pulled off into the pits. So a totally drama-free day for Lewis Hamilton in stark contrast to everyone else. Yeah, he was he was so elated to win. He was jumping up and down. 
remarkable how much energy he had after the race. You know, and this was with three safety car sessions and uh, a fair amount of drama going on behind him that, at the very least, he had to be aware of. Yeah, and I, I guess the restarts are the biggest thing. And, and I took note of him on all the restarts, really just playing his cards really well. I mean, he was, you know, got in trouble at, at Fuji last year for um, speeding up and slowing down too much behind the safety car and then, you know, causing a collision and all that. But, um, and you know, he wasn't doing anything too crazy because, obviously, it's a dry track. You don't have to worry so much about heating the tires when the track is 140, 24 degrees, just, you know, standard temperature. But uh, on all the restarts, there weren't even threats against Lewis Hamilton. I mean, a couple of times he had Heike Kovalainen behind him as his teammate to sort of block and uh, and keep the, keep the other guys behind him. Um, but on all the restarts, uh, Lewis pulled away quite well, and that was really the only drama I guess he had to deal with was that every once in a while he'd get bollocked up behind the safety car and uh, just have to go back there and reestablish his lead. But in every case, he just pulled away and had at least like an 8 or 10-second lead within just a couple of laps. So Lewis really had this race under control. Yeah, and McLaren as a whole did a good job there. and They're now in the lead in the Constructors' Championship as well. Kovalainen finished a solid fifth, and that's not... He, he probably would have finished higher had it not been for unfortunate timering with the third safety car, um, which was caused by Timo Glock going, getting airborne, but we'll get to that later. And um, so really a strong performance for McLaren. Yeah, McLaren is in a brilliant position now because obviously their main rival is Ferrari, and Ferrari has... Or so everyone thought. Well, Who knows now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not quite ready to write off Ferrari for the whole season, but eh, we got to wonder. That was a rough start. Yes. Um, Ferrari has one point. Okay, their next biggest com- competitor. Ferrari um, has run one point in zero running engines. <laughs> yes, uh, the the next contender is uh, is is you know their next competitor is BMW, um, and they already have six points over BMW. And you know with McLaren's got fourteen points to BMW's eight, and behind that, I mean the Williams cars. Um, and and I, all credit to Williams, both their cars running at the end of the race, and both in the points, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Definitely with with Kaz Nakajima. So a very solid. Um, you know, McLaren's and the Williams are the only teams where both of their cars were running at the end of the race, which is sort of an interesting statistic. So Williams Toyota has done a really good job um, with, I don't know if they haven't changed as much on the car, but they've clearly got pace. Um, you know, they got the, the podium and everything, and they've got the reliability. So um, they may be sort of another force to be reckoned with that we didn't we didn't see coming. But um, BMW has really shot out of the gate and surprised a lot of people with, with the pace, uh, with, with Kubica's almost, you know, near pole, and then uh, obviously Heidfeld's result. Well, what we saw or what we didn't see from BMW all winter was a really fast car. And that was leading a lot of people to think that maybe they weren't going to be as strong this year as they were last year compared to the rest of the field. And it was really impressive for me to see that they they had a very strong car and they did make forward progress. And it was very, I mean, I have to say it was very Teutonic how they seem to have moved up. And the, the car looks quite a bit different this year. They have... Uh, some very interesting uh, aerodynamic work on the front nose and a very complex-looking front wing. They have the Viking horns uh, just past the air intake and back and all sorts of cool bits. And, you know, Nick Heidfeld uh, tied his best effort ever with second-place finish. And I would say this is, despite all the attrition, this BMW Sauber performance is less due to attrition and more due to raw car performance. Yeah, and... BMW has really been getting some good work done, uh, and as you mentioned, they didn't set any um, any amazing records. They didn't really get a whole lot of press in the off season uh, in their testing. Um, but whether they were actually sandbagging to try to just sort of lead everyone else on, it, it, you know, I don't think so, but uh, it's possible. Um, but some of the other teams, you know, in testing, they're not held to the same standards as they are to racing. There's no scrutineering. There's no minimum weights. You know, they can run whatever set of wings and tires and fuel that they want just to. So 
some of these teams may just go out there and, and set a fast lap just to get their head, you know, their name in the headline. And you know, Toyota may run something without any ballast and say, "Oh yeah, we're faster than Ferrari. Look at us go." Um, BMW apparently didn't really do that and just worked on developing the car and spent a lot of time in the wind tunnel, as much time as they could on track. Oh, and I don't know. We, they could be sandbagging. We don't know that. They might have been sandbagging, but it, it's what I found interesting is and all the launch photos and and everything uh, everything that BMW released of the new car that did not have this fancy new front. Uh, I guess front. It's right over the the suspension. Um, I don't know what. I guess the front nose wing that they've got. It's it's really. You can call it the moose face if the you moon, want. It's okay. The 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 bullwinkle horn uh, wings on there. They didn't they didn't reveal that until this weekend. So they and, were kind of keeping their cards close to their chest on that one, I think, and not wanting to show their their competitors what they'd come up with. And I guarantee you, all the uh, all the guys, you know, the, as soon as all, all the competitors, as soon as they saw that car, you know, phoned back to the home office and said, hey. Check that out. Put this in the wind tunnel. Let's. What are they getting out of this? And could we get the same thing out of there? Because uh, yeah, and I don't. You know, it's the bullwinkle face. But I have to say, I personally think it's a very good-looking car. I like the way it looks. You know, I, it's not an it's not an ugly but functional piece. It's it's a beautiful piece, but it's it's still unusual. Certainly unusual, and I think that's that's good. Where uh, you know, where all the engines are all spec engines um, for the next couple of years. Um, you know, we they can't update power they can't come out with a new package that's gonna you know they can't obviously change anything about the ecu or really you know mess with the tricky electronics so where where is an advantage to be found well aerodynamics so and that's what's fun about that is that we get to see the evolution there we get to see when there's new winglets and new flaps and things that that guide air around and uh and it's you know a little more obvious to to us when a change has been made and if they come to the next race with a totally different front wing which i doubt they will but if they do then we know that you know, where Ferrari comes out in a couple of races with that same set, same setup, <laughs> we you know you know what's going on there. So it's uh, it, it it's cool to see that, and that's really where the um, where the innovation has to come from right now, just because the engines aren't getting any faster or better. Um, and the only problem is they may go away in a couple of years if if the regulations change and they really and the FIA cuts down on the amount of downforce these cars are allowed to run. We may lose some of these different bits, but then again, it's the, okay. They'll come up with another way to be. But clever. then these bits may become more important than ever because the balance of the of the aerodynamics is still so important that uh, this may still, you know, they may still play a role. Yeah. So okay, BMW showed very strongly this event. It could be a fluke. I don't think so. It seemed like a really solid car. But uh, let's get back to Ferrari here. Uh, the car itself still looks like it could be competitive. Uh, you know, Massa had a fair amount of bad luck. Oh, when it works, it's great. Yeah. Kimi, Kimi, <laughs> Kimi, uh, you know, had that brilliant first lap. And, uh, you know, a lot of Ferrari's woes were not due to the car. I mean, Kimi actually had a pretty wild race. The Iceman did not cometh to Australia. Maybe he melted in the heat because. You know he, who he couldn't get around, who he, he couldn't dispense with. He, he passed, you know, he made up like eight positions or whatever. And he couldn't get around Rubens Barrichello in Ireland. Rubens Honda. who? Yeah, is he still alive? So this I is... thought I saw him in like the Legends of Formula One back no. in '48. Yeah, exactly. That's got to be the sweetest thing for Rubens Barrichello and Team Principal Ross Braun, both formerly of Ferrari, to be able to hold off. Yeah, to be able to, to to have Kimi's number and to be able to stay in front of the Ferrari for I think it was 13 laps. Kimi's number is 078. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, you know, Kimi made mistakes. In fact, you know, he was trying to pass. Uh, Kovalainen, uh, later in the race, this is after he got, he did eventually get around Rubens, but it took him 16 laps to do so. Yeah, and Kimi was running as high as third for a while. Yeah. And then uh, made this brilliant pass trying to get second. And he tried to pass Kovalainen, and he, he outbraked himself, he ran wide, ended up in the gravel. And then, several laps later, he completely spun the car on his own. He had no one near him. Not He couldn't even see anybody else on track, let alone 
have that affect him. And then after that, his engine failed. So, I mean, it was not a trouble-free weekend. It was not all mechanical. I mean, Kimi's had this bad luck for years. A lot of this was on Kimi this time. Yeah, and well, in lap one, it looked like he was unstoppable because if he made up that many positions in lap one, man, you know, Kimi's on, the car's good, everything's working out, everything's coming up their way. But then when he couldn't get around Rubens for 13 laps, we sort of figured, hey, you know, what's going on here? Is there... Is there is there something's not not clicking or whatever? But then he just had these two you know big spins uh, and you know passing the one. It was kind of clumsy driving. Yeah, and so whether he was just trying too hard after the first spin and that's what caused him to spin the second time, if he's just really pushing everything a bit too hard. But that was, I mean, that's what Kimi's good at. You know, yeah. that that's what he's been able to do from the back. You know, in the McLaren where they'd have a problem with uh, in qualifying and have to start last or next and to last. This then goes back to the traction control and the engine braking. You know, now these cars are, it, these cars are not contained in any way shape or form they're just that much harder to drive and i think it's brilliant to watch but you mentioned honda and i want to talk about these guys because again we were getting a lot of lackluster press about the performance of the honda over the winter winter testing and now jensen was out very early with engine problems was it engine problems it was it was an accident okay he was out in an accident very early and but rubens rubens was Doing very well. In fact, he finished the race sixth. Were it not for the penalty, he would have collected three points. Yeah, and that would have been great to get some points on the board for Honda, and that actually would have prevented Kimi from getting any points for Ferrari, which would have been uh, great for McLaren, obviously. But, I mean, Rubens Barrichello and the Honda just seemed to work, and um, they attribute some of the success to just the, the team um, with Ross Braun as technical director now. This um, functions better. Just works. All, sort of all the facets of the communication, the organization, the planning for things, which is, you know, we may not realize just watching the race, but it's so important. I mean, there's so many things that have to be have to be just spot on. And it looks like all work. the Formula One teams are so buttoned down and so, you know, precise with everything. And it's amazing how much uh, clumsiness can actually go on. I mean, it, it, there's so many things that have to be timed just correctly and so many people that have to work together. It's very difficult to pull off. Yeah, so Rubens was having a, a brilliant run until his second pit stop um, when the uh, – and, and this no no fault of, of Rubens Barrichello's. I mean, no fault of the drivers. He's in the pits. They're refueling. They do tires, and uh, the pit crew – the, the pit chief tells him to go by lifting the lollipop board. And so as just as he's trying to do, Rubens Barrichello – The guy hits, was still refueling. the gas and, and starts going. But, yeah, the refueling guys were still had their hands on the nozzles. The nozzle was still in the car, and it's got a safety mechanism, so when the car drives away – the whole, you know, fuel cart doesn't follow along with it, but two guys with their hands on the on this nozzle are actually dragged along by the car for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he knocked a guy over. And no one was seriously hurt. I mean, we, nothing was reported, and we looked at the replay, and no, it wasn't, nobody was run over by the car or anything, but it definitely pulled him over and yeah. certainly scared the bejesus out of him. And it's really too bad. When you see an accident like that, you really want some cool fireballs and some flames shooting out and things, nothing like that. Not even, like, a little, like, spark of any kind, which is a little unfortunate. There was fuel all over the place, and they definitely had the potential for that, but, you know, luckily no one was burned or injured or anything beyond, uh, I mean, probably those guys are a little bit bruised up, and certainly there's going to be some talking to going on at, uh, you know, Honda F1 headquarters, and, and Ross Brown will be uh, having some words there. But Well, the funny thing that we were talking about is, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, these guys were in shorts and T-shirts on the pit crew, Yeah, and that would have been a much bigger incident had the exact same thing occurred. Yeah, because one of the fueling guys actually fell onto the rear wheel. And, and they have full fire suits and helmets and the whole works. Yeah. And so this guy was literally on the rear wheel of, the, of an F1 car accelerating away, so the rear wheel is sort of doing a burnout anyway. And uh, one guy, you know, sort of fell onto the wheel and, and was on there, but actually, you know, it worked out okay um, that those guys weren't hurt. But 
the pits were closed at that point due to a safety car period, and there was a red light at the end of the pit. So This was the second safety car. Yes. So um, Rubens Barrichello should have come to the end of the pit and stopped and waited for the pit to open, and so then he could leave safely um, and be behind the safety car and in the right order and everything. Um, but probably due to looking in his mirrors, figuring out what the hell just happened, whether, you know, there's people, all, all everyone's yelling at him and everything. As soon as he left the, the pit and, you know, probably felt that there was somebody hanging onto his car. I mean, that's got to be pretty crazy. <laughs> Someone's still hanging on. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let go. He, he, he doesn't want to give up any time in the race, but at the same time, he doesn't want to drag anyone well, along Well, he was by having a car. good race. Yeah. And the last thing he needs is to, you know, mess it all up. So, so he's looking in his mirrors trying to make sure, you know, everything's okay and doesn't, you know, doesn't see this, uh, the red light at the end of the at the end of the pit straight, and uh, and you know everyone else on the uh, all the rest of the team is busy trying to make sure that their guys you know not been run over or somehow you know that their guys are alive and okay, and uh, and so he he runs right through the the red light at the end of the uh, pit straight and goes back on and you know back, back into the race and that basically puts you out of the race yeah He's disqualified. And, that, it, and yeah no bones about it the disqualified zero points um, you know it, it's as though he never even entered so it's it's a shame for them um, that 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 happened and ultimately that comes down to. The crew chief, who's got the lollipop sign, you know, the the board that, that he holds down in front of the driver to say you're, you know, yeah, brakes on or go, and uh, he told him to go just before it was ready. Well, let's let's get back to Honda's performance in general. Besides all that, uh, you know, two things struck me. One, they did not have good qualifying performance. You know, Rubens uh, qualified tenth, and uh, Jensen Button was behind him was in twelfth, yeah. and that was after Timo Glock being pushed back. So they were really eleventh and thirteenth. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of pure performance, and uh, but then this race, their race pace seemed quite good, and so it was interesting that the qualifying pace was less good. But the other thing I saw was that seemed to be the simplest looking car on the grid. Simple front wing, not a lot of flugels and things going on. Bizarre, other than that weird notched side flugel coming into the uh, side pods, it, it seemed like a very simple car. Yeah, and. Obviously, they've been doing as much work as they can on it, but um, I guess in some ways maybe Honda's sort of gone back to basics and saying, hey, reliability is really crucial right now, and we can work on the speed when we get it. Their drivers are good. I mean, it's easy to forget that uh, you know Jensen Button and Rubens are both race winners, if Jensen only wants, but they're both good drivers and with the right equipment could do a you know, brilliant job. So um, it's you know that their performance lately, there's been a lot of failures, a lot of reliability problems, and it looks like Honda at this point is really just focusing on we need to get to the end of races and then we can work on getting faster, but we really need to be reliable. And Ruben's car was reliable. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, Button didn't have that chance to, to try that out, but uh, hopefully that's going to continue to work well for them. And in this race, um, certainly, you know, being there at the end was a big deal. And, and But Barrichello just did a, a brilliant job, for especially holding up uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, the qualifying, not so much, but the race pace was encouraging for Honda. And uh, the other Japanese team, Toyota, also had some encouraging results. Yeah, they looked good. They were... Um, Oh, I forgot even where they where they started. Um, seventh and eighth or something. <laughs> eighth well, and no. Uh, Yarno truly started when they qualified. Right. Yarno truly started sixth on the grid, and Timo Glock qualified ninth or ninth it was. Yes, it was but ninth. then he had his ten grid penalty. They were both in Q three. Yeah, which is which is great to see Toyota get up there. I mean, they would be they would sometimes not even make it past Q one with Ralph Schumacher. So uh, Ralph, I think they made the right choice at least with Timo Glock. Um, Big nose though. Yeah, he's. Uh, we've never really seen the guy before. He's uh, it's a big head and a big nose. I wasn't going to go that far, but okay. Well, he's, it's uh, a pretty big head, okay. but the nose is still big compared to the head, so it's a huge nose. My guess is you don't want to stand too close to the guy because you get a little lightheaded because he's sucking up all the oxygen in probably a three-foot radius. 
Are you done? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's true, though. <laughs> so, um, what's his name? Uh, Yarno Truly. Uh, he's going through the race, and on his uh, after his first pit stop, um, he he comes in and he's got like an electrical problem. Um, apparently, something under the seat is is like actually getting hot. Like the, I don't know if the battery is mounted under the he seat. He said or... that, that what the race report said after the fact is the battery basically exploded right directly under the racing seat. Yeah. So that's bad. Work on that. So, yeah, like, <laughs> let's try to go ahead and get that battery you guys are explosion like, you know, thing sorted out. Synergy drive, hybrid power. You guys know batteries. You know, Come the problem on. is, I think I think Dell is their, is their supplier for computer parts, and Dell's kind of got a sketchy history on exploding batteries. Ooh. So maybe that's their issue, and they need to reanalyze that. But, <laughs> Dude, you're uh, getting a Dell. Yeah, it, it's, it's too bad because uh, Yano Truly was actually holding it down. He was he was doing all right in the race and uh, basically maintaining his position. Um, wasn't making any brilliant passes or whatever, but uh, you know, for Yano Truly, he was holding it down. And uh, we were sort of joking that somehow he was just going to pull off into the pit stop and just stop because every once in a while we get these sort of unannounced retirements from Toyota. Um, and then he pulled off and stopped. And I am retired. It was it was too bad because um, they they looked pretty strong and I mean they looked quite strong in qualifying with both in the top ten and uh, they weren't able to make anything of it. So Toyota ends the day with zero points and uh, sort of nothing to show for it. But an encouraging effort. I, I you know we could see more to come. I I I'm I'm hopeful for them and I'm I'm this could shape up to be. Excuse me. This could shape up to be a really stunning mid-pack race. I mean, there's a lot of good, solid cars here. I think there is going to be a you know a level between McLaren and Ferrari at the top, possibly BMW at the top, and then but this mid-pack field is going to be strong. And then we have another uh, now looking to be mid-pack player, the STR team. Well, real quick on Toyota, Timo Glock was running well. He was actually up in tenth spot, um, and. Uh, after starting in 19th, um, when he went out a little bit wide on uh, on one of the corners. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's why I want to mention why we're still on Toyota here. And, uh, you know, he's going over the grass, okay, he's, you know, trying to get the car, you know. He, he Jim, before just... you finish, can I tell him I, I gave his landing a 7? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's, he's off on the grass. He's trying to recover it. He's you know he's working getting the car back. And um, like they used to be able to do, they could they could just basically floor the gas and just get back on track and whatever. He's he sort of got in a fight with the car and feathered the gas and so on. Um, but then pushed he, wide, no traction control. Yeah, and so and he's on the grass, and and uh, and then um, basically his floorboard made a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, he hit just the smallest of bumps, which you couldn't even really see on you know just looking at the track. But uh, off on the grass, there was a, a bit of a bump. His car hit that, flew through the air, landed kind of on its corner, which broke the rear suspension, then bounced over onto its right, onto its left front, which broke the front suspension. So the sent the car just spinning down the front straight, and it was um, really a pretty pretty big impact um he was okay he walked away yeah, from it but just man the, the mechanics there have have some work to do in the next couple of days <laughs> he's keeping them busy and, and when it's too bad that you know his race has got to end that way it was not a car fault that that really at all it was just that he, he ran wide and you know ended up hitting hitting this little it, it was his fault side. though i mean he pushed wide i mean and uh, you know i said it's not the car's fault oh, it's not the car's fault right. but you know th- something that was mentioned during the broadcast that I, I have to agree with is that is kind of on the track that that's the type of thing that they really need to keep keep an eye on and and make sure that there's no humps and bumps just offside the road like that. Yeah, I mean that certainly could have you know if he'd hit that a little bit differently, could have rolled the car over so he landed on uh, landed on its top and all that. I mean it, it could have been worse than it was. And uh, obviously the the car was was pretty well messed up, but uh, but you know the driver was able to walk away. So ultimately, but again, that's, it, this is technically you know. a temporary road course too. I mean this is not a proper racetrack. It's a public so, park. Yeah, when so. it's not a racetrack. So yeah, that that was uh, an unfortunate uh, you know, situation for Timo. But hey, that's that's learning your lesson the hard way. Keep it on the track. So um, 
Scuderia Toro Rosso. Pretty much backmarker last year. Yeah, and this year really coming to the fore. I mean, Sebastian Vettel making it through to uh, third Two, qualifying. Three. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and Sebastian Bourdais not qualifying as well. I mean, he's this he's brand new to a Formula One car. I mean, brand he's a four-time champ car, world champion. But he's almost the America... He's almost the USA's default guy to root for because he was in Champ Car for five years. He won four Champ Car championships. So he's known in America, and you know I'm, I'm a fan of his personally, and I'm looking for him to do really good things. Yeah, in fourth spot when his engine gave up, which yeah. that would have been just a brilliant way to, to end, you know, to start your, your first Grand Prix ever, um, to end with, you know, with, a, with a good boatload of points, and especially to put Scudero Torosso on the board like that in the Constructors' Championship. I mean, that would have been great a great way to start, but... Unfortunately, it was not to be, and, and by no fault of his own. I mean, he, Sebastian put in a great drive, and we actually didn't hear a whole lot about him because there was so much else going on. But again, I mean, certainly part of his performance was due to attrition, but there was also times where he was in a chain of cars, and he was he was holding off Alonzo and yeah. Coline. He was leading a chain of cars, and they were not finding ways around him. In fact, there were even times he was pulling ahead some. This is the Scuderia Toro Rosso car, and I don't know how much influence Adrian Newey had on this car, I mean, I know the Red Bull car, the RB4, is completely his. I don't know how much that translated to the STR car, but this could be a really solid performer. And Sebastian Bourdais said in winter testing before the season even started, he said, the one-lap qualifying, you know, the, the qualifying format's going to be hard for me. That's going to be the challenge I have. I'm confident in my race pace. I think I'm going to be good for long runs. I think I'm going to be good for race pace. He's got a lot of good experience with that in Champ Car. And I think we saw exactly what he was predicting. Yeah, and it was near the end of the race where he's running fourth, and holding up Fernando Alonso was behind him. So, but not even holding up, keeping him at bay. Yeah, and and Fernando was making mistakes trying to you know get an edge on on Bourdais. So you know all credit to Sebastian Bourdais, I think on that on his drive uh, really coming to in the end. And, and once he can get his qualifying pace sorted out, uh, you know if they if they have a top ten capable car in terms of qualifying, and Sebastian Bourdais can can drive as smartly as he did. That could be a really, a really, you know, really good combination. Yeah. So what we what we got developing here is a super strong mid pack, and I think it's going to be great to watch. I think you're going to see between you know sixth and eighteenth spot. It could be anywhere. It could be almost you know it could be a lot of different cars. I still think you're going to see Super Aguri kind of in back. They had zero winter development. They're still struggling financially. Force India still they've made some improvements, but they still have a lot of work to do. You're going to tend to see those two teams in the back still, I think. But then after again. McLaren, Ferrari, and maybe somewhat BMW Sauber, you're going to have you know five teams kind of scrapping for these spots. Could be anywhere. And these teams, I think, are strong enough that and, and already are showing to uh, affect the overall, overall constructors' championship. I mean, the fact that um, you know the Ferraris didn't come in just behind the McLarens or anything like that. I mean that um, you know that the, all, everything is pushed down the grid. You know that Fernando Alonso has even got some points on the board. And, uh, you know, basically, like I mentioned, McLaren is just in a brilliant position right now that all of their, their, their closest rival has, uh, you know, has one point And, you know, they're just already pulling, uh, pulling away so well. Um, you know, I think the, the mid-pack teams are good enough that certainly if, if, if either the top two teams run into trouble, um, the mid-pack guys are right there. It's not a night and day difference anymore. It's really starting to get, get closer together, which I think is really quite good. Yeah, and I want to say uh, during the... Uh, postseason or preseason broadcast, one of the three we did, I predicted that BMW Sauber will win a race this year, and I think Nick Heidfeld will do it. Well, I'm, I'm sticking with that. Based on this first race, I'm encouraged by my prediction. But Robert Kubica, man, we gotta we gotta acknowledge that guy. That guy, you know, is just doing really well, and his qualifying pace was spot on. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly possible that uh, we could have BMW, uh, you know, winning a race, and that really may play in a lot to the constructors' championship because uh, that could be a huge factor. That could be a, a big spoiler one way or another. And I guess we we have to mention Renault too. They they were not super strong, but you know, Alonso, he he reminded us that despite all the nonsense that happened with McLaren, which you know Jim and I still kind of blame him for, uh, he's he's awfully quick. Yeah, and he did make some mistakes in trying to get around Sebastian Bourdais, but. Never threw the car away like Kimi Raikkonen did. I mean, we got to oh. give him credit. He did stay on the track. He did, you know, keep away from from the accidents and so on. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Hickey Kovalainen, I want to give good credit to. Um, he got really unlucky with um, his uh, second pit stop. Um, he just came in, just came into the pits as the as the second uh, third safety car period came out, and uh, and so he got held up in the pits um, because they had to wait for the car, the safety car, to come around and everything. And uh, he he lost like seven spots. I mean, he was actually in first. He because uh, yeah, Hamilton, he was in first or second. And Hamilton in ninth. Hamilton had pitted, and uh, and then and that just shuffled Kovalainen way to the back, and he just couldn't claw back those spots. Um, he actually did pass Fernando Alonso. They had a good scrap, and Heike Kovalainen got around Alonso. Oh, right. Only just to I mean, it was it was such a shame. And then he, he inexplicably slowed down, and Alonso got right back around him. Um, I later found out on the website that um. Hecky Kovalainen, from being behind uh, Alonso, had you know just a bunch of junk on his visor and and you know whether it was bits of rubber or just dirt and whatever, went to go get a tear off and and you know tear off from his visor and get a get a clean view for the last lap and uh, hit his pit lane speed limiter button by accident on the main straight on, on the, the front main, straight yeah, on the, <laughs> in the fastest parts of the track, so it just slows him right down. Luckily, uh, Fernando Alonso was quick enough to to see that you know massive reduction in speed and I guess his uh, rear light would have gone on as well. And get around him and not just plow right into the back of him, which I think could have happened. What's interesting, because when we first look, looked at it, it looked like they had this, you know, three-corner brilliant scrap and Clovelining gets around Alonzo and then just let him by. Yeah. It almost looked like he let him by on purpose. But yeah. then, you know, Jim found out later on what had happened. So, so it, it's too bad because, uh, that would have been brilliant. That would have been, um, well, if it weren't for the pit stop thing, it could have been a one-two finish for McLaren, which obviously would, is just the best possible outcome. Um, but it, good for, good for Hecky to, you know, get around, uh, Fernando and sort of, Stick it to him a little bit. I mean, you know, Fernando knows he's in the Renault. It's not as good a car as the McLaren, but right. but still to be able to, uh, you know, at the end of the race like that, hold on, keep his wits about him, and uh, actually make it around the double world champion, uh, that was a good time. But then he sort of screwed it up by uh, hitting that speed limit button. So it's it's too bad. I think you know, Hecky and uh, Hamilton are going to be very very strong together. I think they both have good attitudes, and neither of them have that I should be you know treated number one type of type of vibe. So I. I, I think they're going to be a very, very potent team. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. It, you know, this race, really one of the most exciting races I've seen in a long time and really makes me just chomping at the bit to see the next race. This is going to be a great season. Yeah, I I kind of want to just can't wait for Malaysia in a week just to, to let all these guys that got crashed out in turn one and, and lap one get another chance. I mean, it's really too bad because there's so many guys that we just don't get to see where they ended up, but we had, I mean, what did we have, seven cars, or six cars actually finish the race and not get disqualified? Six six cars finish the race running, yes. Yeah. Six cars, <laughs> I mean, come on! <laughs> the last time that happened was the 2005 Indy Grand Prix. When six cars started the race. When six cars started the race due to the Michelin tire debacle. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was crazy to see a combination of things, uh, you know, stronger mid-pack teams, no traction control. It's It's really been fantastic to watch, and I think... Formula One is is truly improved. Yes, and you know what else has improved? The F1 show. Absolutely, amen to that, baby. <laughs> Hallelujah. So um, we have been 
you know, we've had our, our Facebook page. We've had really great success with that. I just want to thank everyone who's uh, gone to F1Show.com and click on the link over to Facebook. We've got a, a, a fan page there. Uh, you can sign up, and, and it'll we can notify you when we have uh, new updates and new things. That's been uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, we appreciate your enthusiasm about it. That's been that's been wonderful. And Kelly and Mark and everybody, it's been, it's been great to have discussions on the wall and answer questions and see photos you know, great photos and everything. So I, I, I've loved it. Yeah, it's really getting some uh, some community. It's not like we're just uh, speaking and it's going out into the void. But to to be able to see, you know, who's who's enjoying the show and that people are, are digging it, and uh, to be able to you know talk about Formula One. Ultimately, that's what we're here to do. So it's it's great. So if you haven't made it to the to uh, the, the Facebook group yet, um, you do need to sign up for Facebook if you don't already have that. But it's free. But um, be cool. Facebook is cool. Yeah. Um, so click on just go to f1show.com. There's a link right there to the to the Facebook group and join it up, man. And you know you can uh, get this uh, community going and, and share photos and everything. And we've got people from all around the world. So um, uh, you know eventually maybe we'd have our own coverage of all the different events with different photos and everything. So it's uh, it's really got great potential. And I I thank everyone who's made their way there already to uh, you know send us feedback or just uh, talk to other fans. And if and if you do go to the show or you do go to f1show.com, which we encourage you to do. Uh, we did get our video up of the 2007 USGP coverage on a, on Vimeo, which offers the coverage in HD. Uh, we're really excited about that. It's not just coverage. Uh, I took some time and I edited it together and made a little, I don't know, montage out of it. You want to? I don't know what you want to call it. Nice, little, nice little, sort of a music video kind of a thing. But it's you know, it, no 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 speaking to it. Just uh, the beautiful sound of Formula One engines and uh, some music going. And uh, just visit f1show.com. You can it's the it'll be the, the you know, right below this uh, this podcast episode. You'll be able to click on that. And uh, a little word to the wise: you got to click on the little link that says "See this in HD." Because uh, if you view it right on the page, you're only getting part of the story. You click through to the the original page and go full screen. It's actually in high definition, and it, it uh, looks a lot better than than it does on YouTube. So now, but check that if, out. if you want to keep it real and just do low res thing, that's cool too. It's on YouTube. It's uh, 2007 United States Grand Prix. Uh, just search for that. You'll find it. Uh, there's also, a, you know, there's a link to that somewhere as well. Oh, yeah, Facebook, F1 Show. We've got all the things. So, yeah, absolutely check that out. And don't forget, if you have opinions for us, you can tell us on uh, our Facebook page or you can email us at feedback at F1Show.com. You know, the best way to do that, though, is uh, we've got a, our Skype account set up. Go back, go to F1Show.com. Voicemail on Skype. There. Be on the show, baby. No one's done this yet. This makes us a little bit sad. Yeah, so, a little disappointed. Um, drop us a voicemail, whether you just want to say, hey, good job, or hey, you guys are terrible, or hey, you know, what's the deal with Kimi, I don't, whatever. Um, if, you leave a ma- if you leave a voicemail and it just says, wankers, we'll, we'll put that on there. If we're wankers, we'll, we'll, we'll let the world know. But, you know, we're also going to let them know who said that. So, uh, yeah, you know, we better make a fake Skype account if you're going to do that. Yeah, don't do that. But seriously, but do though, it, if, you, if you have any questions, uh, you know, we want to we want to hear our fans. And, you know, you guys can hear some other voices and, you know, get get yourself heard on the show. So uh, just head over there. Or if you have Skype already, just uh, call up. Our, our username is just F1 Show. And uh, leave us a voicemail there or just uh, click through to our website and you can get it there as well. Absolutely. And uh, I also have a special announcement. This is more of a personal thing. A close friend of mine, Gerardo Bonilla, is he was my racing coach when I raced at Skip Barber and uh, race car driver himself. Uh, big news for him. He just landed a ride in the ALMS. He's going to be racing with BNK Motorsports in a Mazda-powered Lola in the Le Mans Prototype 2 class. That's the lightweight prototype class. It's a brilliant move for him. Uh, huge congratulations to him. I can't think of a more deserving person. Fantastic attitude, great driver, 
And uh, you guys should definitely check this guy out if you're interested in the American racing scene at all. Le Mans cars are really cool. And uh, go to his website. It's GerardoBonilla.com. I'm going to spell it for you. That's G-E-R-A-R-D-O-B-O-N-I-L-L-A.com. Check him out. He, uh, he's a great guy, and you should support him if you can. Yeah, just the nicest of guys and, and a really good race driver. So it's, it's always cool to see people we know and have worked with working their way up the ladder. And, and that's, you know, ALMS is a very cool series. They just had 12 hours of Sebring this weekend. We, we haven't had time to watch it yet, but we'll get to it. And uh, it's, that's great to see him. And, you know, we'll see him at the Detroit Grand Prix later on this year. Absolutely. Hey, do we, do we still have that sponsor? Are we still supported well, by that We certainly thing? do. You want to mention Sweet. that? Sweet. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Performance Box. The F1 show is now supported by the Performance Box, a GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. That is performancedrift.com. I love saying that. That's like my favorite part of the show, kind of. It's I'm, That's a little bit sad, actually. Oh. Um, one last thing I want to mention. Uh, we got an email um, from, I believe your name is Elias Aguri. Um, oh, quite the email. And I, I'm... Pretty sure English is not this gentleman's first language, and uh, we had a bit of a hard time understanding what you're trying to say. Um, I don't know if, if any of you want to try sending it again with, uh, if, you know, maybe simple, sim- simplify it a little bit for us or something. Less but, words, uh, please. We definitely appreciate you sending an email. Absolutely. And, um, we can we sort of have bits and pieces uh, of, of what your email is saying here, but uh, uh, like I mentioned, you know, with, uh, we, we only pretty much speak English, so... Um, we we have a hard time and re- reading English is is, is best for us too. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of tricky. No, so I, I, absolutely. We I, definitely appreciate the feedback, and uh, certainly thanks for trying on this. Absolutely. Um, but we we think there's just there's a barrier there, and we couldn't quite get what you were we couldn't understand what you were getting at entirely. But give us another shot. Certainly, and uh, certainly anyone else uh, that has anything to say, questions, comments about whether it's about us, about Formula One, about the rule changes, about anything. Leave us a voicemail, send us an email, send us something on Facebook. You got, there's no excuse now. You've got all kinds of ways to contact Oh, yeah, and there's so us. much to talk about, guys. Think about all the things we were talking about here in this sporadic, crazy thing because there's so much that happened. Six cars running at the end of the race. Discussion board, the wall, we want to hear about it. Feedback at F1 Show. Tell us, talk about it, opinions, we want them. Excellent. And uh, we only have uh, just less than a week until the next race, so... Uh, we're, we're definitely looking forward to it, and hope you guys are as well. And we'll certainly have a, an, an episode out maybe a, little, a day or two late, but uh, we'll get it out for you next week. And until then, I'm Jim Lau. Uh, can I, Jim, please, can I can I just play my song? No. Can I play? It's no. cool. The I regular want, theme. Jim, I want to play my song. No. Yes, please. I'm going to play it. And I'm Robin Warner.